Hey y'all, my name is Emily Newton and I am a relatively infrequent contributor to Mockingbird, but one who relishes and relies on hearing this consistent note of grace that gets sung for me through this ministry. So I am honored to bring you a word or two and to speak the gospel into your story today. I live in Austin, Texas, where I have been quarantined for a couple months now with my husband, John, and our two daughters, Annie and Katherine King, otherwise known as KK, um, who are four and two, respectively. My husband, John, is the rector or head pastor of a beautiful and faithful community here in town, St. Michael's Episcopal Church, um, which I miss dearly right now. I teach high school English as well. Um, so I have been zooming my way through the last quarter of our academic year with my sophomores. I am weary of it all, as are my students, based on the way that my jokes just are no longer landing. Um, when you have to ask a Zoom full class um, if you're on mute because nobody's laughing, nobody's giving you any sort of like facial recognition that you've attempted a joke um, and you're not on mute, then uh, yeah, you know they're done. So I give you this context primarily to concretize the ways that my COVID experience thus far has allowed for God to enter in. And more specifically to point to the parts of our current reality that have pretty much broken me in their collective weight. So over the past two months, I have seen clearly parts of my heart in deep need of healing and restoration. Parts that had lain dormant for a time, kind of asleep. Because even though I have been wearing the same hats that I do normally outside of a COVID quarantine, I have been operating with and on less, which is perhaps not unlike your realities as well. So it seems reasonable then that as I have struggled within this season of scarcity, to use some St. Brené language, um, a version of myself has been unearthed that I do not usually see. And frankly, it's a version of myself that I did not know that feels a bit like a stranger. As I have grappled with this strangeness within me, manifested specifically and unfortunately in a lot of rage and frustration and impatience, um, it has reminded me of some figurative language in Falling into Grace, um, which is the text actually that I am currently rereading with our church women's group um, over Zoom. So Falling into Grace is written by my husband. So I am appropriately biased because I am his number one fan by sheer virtue of our marriage covenant. So I will not apologize nor alter my uh, glowing word choice as I commend to you his work um, and specifically his words here. So on page 52, he writes, our life is just like an iceberg. There is so much more that we do not see than we do see. Beneath the iceberg of our lives are things we don't know about ourselves. These are the areas of unconscious incompetence that perpetuate 
the cycle of wounding in our life. So that's perhaps what we are wrestling with here. Our subterranean selves, our iceberg selves, bubbling to the surface and to our consciousness um, throughout our quarantine experiences and particularly within both our felt and our actual limitations um, and the pain that we absorb from the system around us. There are things that before we didn't know that we didn't know about ourselves, but now we see. And perhaps we even see the ways that these darker parts of our hearts do indeed perpetuate our own wounds and the ways that we wound others. We might be seeing someone that feels a bit like a stranger. So if you have said or thought something akin to, I didn't know that I could, or I didn't know that I was so, or even where did that come from? Then you are certainly not alone. A friend of mine texted me the other day, someone that I consider to be a bit like my Nathan. Um, and she described a moment in which she screamed um, the F word at her husband. And then in her text, she asked me, who was that? Which brings me to a verse from a favorite hymn of mine in keeping with a thread that I've noticed in a few of these devotionals, specifically Carrie Willard's on hymns from a few weeks ago. And then more recently with Ginger Mayfield's commentary on, Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go. So I sing Come Thou Fount um, to our two daughters every night before bed, twice actually, because in Annie, my four-year-old's estimation, that's only fair since there are two of them. So twice every night I sing about the ways that um, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood, which brings us to Easter and his one-way love. So even as I see these strange and broken and frightening parts of my heart, even as I wonder who was that or how could I have, that's the moment that Jesus enters in and rescues. He senses the danger that I feel as I examine these ugly parts of myself and he is here. And I have attempted to bandage these cracks in my iceberg self, these parts that long for Jesus's healing. I light candles around the house to calm my frustrations. I ask my husband to take care of bath time duty when I sense that I'm on the precipice. I take lots of deep breaths. I go on walks. I listen to worship music, even some dolly in there. I connect with friends over a house party or text. And certainly these things help. They do increase my capacity for patience and can curb my anger to a degree. But in the end, these workings, my workings are insufficient. I show up enraged or mean or short with my words again. Total sufficiency can only be found in that precious blood of Jesus, which covers the inadequacies of our band-aids and our own attempts to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. 
So a few weeks ago, as we were approaching Easter Sunday, several friends and I wondered aloud over a Zoom Bible study about how we might do Easter amidst our quarantine. And we wondered whether we would put on a dress or um, even makeup that morning. And we laughed at the idea that we could literally show up to Easter Sunday in our pajamas with coffee breath and bare faces. And what is beautifully ironic about that idea is that it is perfectly appropriate. It is exactly as Jesus has asked us to show up to Easter and to him. I mean, Luke 5.32, and indeed I came to call not the upright, but sinners. We show up to this Easter season as our ragamuffin, ragamuffin subterranean iceberg selves perhaps more aware of our ugly than ever before. Um, so I use that word ragamuffin um, to describe our broken, sinful selves. And I derive that directly from Brennan Manning's um, The Ragamuffin Gospel. And in it, Manning writes this, which I find lovely and true. Whatever our failings may be, we need not lower our eyes in the presence of Jesus. Unlike Quasimodo, the hunchback of Notre Dame, we need not hide all that is ugly and repulsive in us. Jesus comes not for the super spiritual, but for the wobbly and the weak need who know they don't have it all together and who are not too proud to accept the handout of amazing grace. As we glance up, we are astonished to find the eyes of Jesus open with wonder, deep with understanding, and gentle with compassion. Even as he gazes upon a stranger. So I pray that this word reaches you in your powerlessness and in your poverty and in those subterranean selves that you're perhaps acquainting yourself with with immeasurable gratitude for the gift that we have been given in Jesus's precious blood interposed for us. N.T. Wright actually once said that as Easter people, we should be drinking champagne for breakfast every day within the Easter season, which I have always absolutely loved and I could not agree with him more. So as Jesus seeks you even now as a stranger, and as he is working to make all things new, I pray that you have the most ragamuffin Easter season full of champagne and grace as we toast to that precious blood of our Jesus. Thank y'all so much. I hope you have a wonderful day.